Eyes Shut Studios presents The Book of Dovis Beneath the Surface Oh, hello there. I thought this beach was deserted. Beautiful, isn't it? Reminds me of Poria. You've never been? Ah, you're missing out, friend. Take a seat. I've got a tale for you. The world, Dovis, is a rather small place. For him, at least. Like a playing card with two sides. It is merely what he is and what he is not. And to some, that might be a disappointment. But to Tarako, who loves himself wholeheartedly, it is a delight. He once bore another name. Some would say more fitting. But to be fitting at all is not in his nature. He is at his utmost self when uncontained, ill-defined, and unpredictable. So, he simply took the other's name as well, erasing its meaning entirely. Tarako spent his days among himself, basking in the fresh winds above and taking inspiration from their spirit as they and he wind their way around the world in twisting, flowing patterns. Currents that bring the motion and freedom of Dovis that he holds above all else. In Tarako's eyes, there is nothing more precious than freedom, and it is from freedom that we find ourselves. For the choices we make when we must make them mean little to ourselves compared to the ones we make because we wish to make them. On the southern continent of Ivana, to the east of the jungles of Avaria, lies a playground, a long stretch of rocky, sandy coastal land known by mortals as Poria. The people of Poria have long made their homes at the watery feet of Tarako himself. Peculiar creatures, Tarako thought, as he observed their efforts. He had seen these beings all along his borders, and yet none but these seemed so enthralled with his being. Instead of hiding on the shores, they seemed drawn to him building out into him as far as they could. Rather than building great castles, they built mighty ships. And when those ships served their time, they were made into homes and marketplaces on the shores and beyond. Tarako felt, for the first time, a mighty kinship with beings from the other's realm. It was as if they were born for him and only now found their rightful place among his waves. In delight, he swelled up in pride 
and crash down upon the rocky lands of Poria, carving into it a paradise for the free and the intrepid. Tarako was enthralled by them, each one holding the spirit of his being within them, an unabashed, unrelenting devotion to personal freedom without reservation from duty or obligation. That was, of course, until he saw her. Her, the one with misty eyes of a gentle sea spray, glowing veridescent as if formed of his very being, and a smile glimmering to a spark that caught her hair ablaze, now burnt fire, blackened and wild with embers flowing off into the wind. She was freedom itself, Catalina Martez. And yet, she was not free. Catalina was the daughter of the Grand Admiral of Helice, the largest fleet city on Poria's shores. But to call it a city is both an injustice and an exaggeration. Helice is a living tapestry of ancient ships left behind by long revered captains. It is as much a home as it is a monument to the legends of its people. Though at the time it amounted to little more than a few dozen ships. As the daughter of the Grand Admiral of Helice, Catalina believed there were duties expected of her, regardless of never being told so. She spent her days helping the people of Helice in any way she could, providing care for the children, food for the less fortunate, and labor for whoever needed it. The citizens of Helice loved her and begged her to take care of herself instead, but with so much more to give and so many that needed it, Catalina could not bring herself to comply. By the time she was done each day, the sky had long since grown dark, and the opportunity for her own joy and passion vanished with the light. Regardless of this, she went to bed with a smile and believed herself truly happy. One day, a rival city, Gortia, approached Helice. Its ruthless leader threatened violence lest the city of Helice sail under its flag. Catalina's father, the great admiral of Helice, was outraged. This kind of conquest for control was against everything they stood for. War was all but inevitable. But Catalina could not allow it. So she stepped forward to once again bleed her heart for her people. If we are one, there is no need for violence. You have a son, correct? I'm sure he is as handsome as his father. Let us be wed and weave a future together instead. Catalina's father was astounded. But the leader of Gortia 
happily accepted Catalina's offer, and his son, Arlo, was left in Halise with Catalina to be wed in the coming months. At first, it seemed simply out of necessity, but as the weeks went on, Arlo found himself falling for Catalina and everything she did for her people. He admired her selflessness, a quality completely foreign to his own people of Gortia, as well as her strength and quick wit. Catalina would wake up to gorgeous flowers from far off fields and come home after a long day to find Harlow smiling with an empty seat beside him, looking out over Taraco's brilliant waters, the grand ocean of Dovis. Catalina was startled by all the kindness Harlow showed her, but quickly began to care for him in kind. She even came to believe that she loved him, though there was something missing in that feeling that kept her up late at night, long after Harlow retired to his chambers. She hated herself for it. Harlow was the kindest man she had ever met. What he showed for her was nothing less than a fairy tale. But she had not chosen him. In fact, she had not chosen anything for herself. Not for a long time. She sighed, willing herself to accept the wonderful life before her, even if it was not the one she had wanted for herself. Suddenly, on the horizon, a storm broke out. It lashed violently against the holes of Halise, demanding the attention of Catalina. She peered out into the distance and gasped in horrific realization of the small ship returning home to Halise, trapped in that furious torrent. Without a word or thought, she was off, her sloop resting just off the nearest dock. It took but a moment before her infallible ship, the Dauntless, sprung to life, soaking up the seething winds to match the furious intent of the storm above. Within minutes, the walls of Taraco's fury were upon her. Wave after wave halted her path, and the wind and spray of the sea seemed to scream. Turn back. She would not. Not when her people needed her. A mighty wave, stories high, rose above her, towering over her with the threat of a watery end. But she only leered into the waters with those startling green eyes. As if in answer, the massive wave before her split down the middle, seeing the Dauntless and Catalina safely through to the wrecked remains of the small boat beyond. The ship coming in had been destroyed, crushed completely by the furious waves and relentless tides below. But they were still alive, three of them clinging to random debris scattered in the water, as if bones of a mighty beast. Catalina took no time to think as she surged forward and dove gracefully into the remorseless waters below. Before she realized, she had returned two sailors to the Dauntless 
and was well on her way to the third. As she reached him, a whirlpool formed nearby, drawing them both towards it with savage intent. With all the strength left in her body, Catalina hurled the final sailor forward towards the Dauntless, screaming, Go! The whirlpool took her. She relaxed, easing into her final moments. She knew very well there was no fighting the relentless pull of the ocean floor below. In a way, she was relieved. She had done right by her people and given herself completely for them. She could imagine no more noble death than that. And she was so tired. Are you serious? Her eyes shot open, and before her, the living sea himself, Tarako, stood among swirling tides. He was not as she had imagined, though imagining the sea himself was not something she had done in many years. Not since she was a little girl. But she remembered it well, the image of a wise, harsh man, old and yet mighty with a fierce determination in his eyes. But this, this young man before her, a gorgeous face with a wry smile and hair as black as the depths below. You really are infuriating, you know that, right? What? I've seen you, giving yourself away piece by piece. It's a wonder there's anything left. Though, I suppose that's where we're at now, isn't it? I saved those men and my city. Yes, yes. And I'm sure there's a statue in it for you. Excuse me? Can I drown now, please? <laughs> I knew I liked you. Strange that you don't like yourself and kind. Of course I do. Do you now? What makes you happy, Catalina? I... This life doesn't suit you, you know. I can feel your spirit. It calls to me that vivacious desire for freedom and thrill you have buried down below. I'd rather like to see it sometime. And with that, her world grew fuzzy and dimmed to nothing. She awoke among crashing waves of silk and cloth. Her own bed? How had she gotten here? In the days following, that seemed to be the only thing on the minds and tongues of the people of Halise. The three sailors had returned on her ship, the Dauntless, telling of her brave deeds and tragic end. Her father was distraught and painfully walked himself to her chambers to grieve alone. But as he reached the door, it opened, and there she was, Catalina. Rumors, some wild and others simple, wound their way through the city and out into the rest of Poria. 
but Catalina kept the truth for herself. She could not understand why, but she treasured it and obsessed over it. As if awoken from a deep sleep, she saw the world around her and the life she built closing in on her like crushing black walls. The only light shining in was the memory she forged in the depths of those waters. What makes you happy, Catalina? What did make her happy? For days, she lay awake each night, staring into the ceiling, as if hoping the grains of wood might take shape into an answer she could live with. She loved her people, and she loved caring for them. It was so easy to forget herself when she gave to others. But when you give that much, it makes you hollow, and you lose sight of who you are. How did she get to this point? Her people were the essence of freedom. They asked for nothing, and sought out only adventure and bliss. Her mother would have known. She was sure of it. But she was gone the moment Catalina began. Dead, as if trading places in this world. Her father always said that Dovis simply could not handle two such incredible women at once. So her mother was kind enough to give her a turn. Had Catalina wasted it? Or had she even begun at all? Sitting up in the dead of night, Catalina knew almost instinctively what she must do. She would not placate her passions any longer. With her mind on the gift her mother gave her, her fierce and fiery heart, she followed to the place it yearned for most. Catalina vaulted from bed and made her way to the Dauntless once more. Within what felt like heartbeats, she was there, where the whirlpool had taken her. All around, stars glittered on the water, as if a tapestry of the heavens hung just below the surface. Perhaps it did, or something just as precious. She slipped from her overclothes, letting them flutter down her body, and with an effortless, captivating dive, she slid into the waiting waters below. And there he was, as if made of cut rock, carved by his own currents. Catalina merely stared into his eyes and said, Show me. Taraka reached out his hand and smiled. Finally. Without hesitation, Catalina took it, and they were off. It was... It was... Beautiful. The wide open sea seemed to twist and bend for them. She supposed it truly did. As his currents pushed them along, passing gorgeous reefs and deep ocean canyons... He showed her the most bizarre creatures, 
both breathtaking and fascinating. Pods of them swirling and diving, propelled by their three spiralling tails. They were playful, these creatures, eager to chase and be chased. And Tarako was happy to comply. She laughed as he darted and dashed through the waters, the little creatures shooting behind him until he allowed them to overtake him. In a mighty joint effort, they crashed into him, nuzzling with affection. Catalina laughed again, smiling, until he pointed at her, and the pod of zealous creatures shook with excitement before launching themselves her way. And then she was flying. She'd always been a strong swimmer, but this was more. It was as if the sea anticipated her movements and bent to her every wish, sending her gliding and twisting effortlessly through the rocks, canyons, and massive underwater forests of algae and seaweed, the little beings screaming in delight as they followed her. As Tarako had, she finally let them catch her. They piled around her with loving closeness, rubbing against her body to show their endearment. She pet them in kind. They were the sweetest creatures she'd ever met. How had she never seen them before? Out of the corner of her eye, Catalina spotted Tarako perched against a massive coral pillar with a relentless, heartwarming smile lighting up his face. After that night, she returned to see Tarako every chance she could. It now seemed so obvious why he looked young and full of life, to the point where her idea of the sea being an old, harsh, stoic man seemed ridiculous. Tarako was the embodiment of freedom and joy. The sea did not halt for obligation or stand on ceremony. It was wild and passionate to a fault. Overwhelmingly so, was simply the thought of him sent a wave of excitement throughout her body, splashing over her toes and sending them curling. Catalina's heart dropped. It wasn't right. She was betrothed to Harlow, and he was an incredible, loving man. It was not his fault that he was tied to the life she regretted more and more each day. But she was no longer sure if she could turn back to that world, now that she tasted the freedom she knew she was meant to live for all along. One night, the pressure building within Catalina threatened to finally burst. Tarako had taken her to the top of a mighty waterfall that fed into the sea below. In the distance, she could see the glimmering lights of Elise, shining like a beacon, yet dwarfed by the sea that stretched beyond it. They sat there, taking in the summer air as the fluttering of her stomach threatened to never let her breathe again. She stared at him for a long while before he noticed. Smirking, knowingly, 
with tender amusement. Taraco turned to look deep in her intoxicating sea-green eyes. The connection set her ablaze. She had never wanted anything before. Not truly. Not like this. Not like him. It was overwhelming and her heart threatened to stop entirely or break through her chest at any moment. Her hands gave first, reaching for his face. Fire met water as he took her in his arms and all she could feel was heat rising within her and the unbearable distance between her lips and his. Centuries passed, or no time at all, as if the world held its breath along with her, until finally her yearning threatened to shatter her completely, and she dove passionately into the sea. She was lost in him, and him in her. The kiss rose up and crashed into her in ravenous, exhilarating waves. And in that moment, she felt the last tether to her old life snap with a crack. She shot back, startled and furious with what she'd done. Catalina? I'm sorry. What's wrong? I... I can't... What do you mean? Take me back. Fine. A storm raged on the sea as Catalina sat outside her home in the pouring rain. What had she done? What was she doing? Rain ran down her face, mixing with her tears, but it did little to soothe her pain. The door slowly opened, and before her stood her betrothed, Harlo. Catalina, what's happened? Harlo, I'm sorry. Cat, there's nothing in this world I could possibly need your apology for. Her tears started anew at his kindness. Ever since I've been here, I've seen you give everything you are and everything you could be to others. You are the kindest, most generous woman I've ever met. I'm not. You are, and it terrifies me. I was worried you would never find joy for yourself. But these last few weeks, You've changed. Yes, you've still helped your people, but I see you saving some for yourself. Your smile has never been so true, and your laugh never so bright. I'm happy for you, Catalina. But I... I know what I am to you. It's all right. If we'd met at another time, perhaps. But as it is... I'm only holding you back, and denying it is only holding me back as well. I just want you to be happy, Catalina. 
No one is more deserving of it than you. Thank you, Harlow. But you're wrong. You deserve happiness just as much as I do. <laughs> Perhaps you're right. It's about time I find it then. Agreed. But what about your father? I'll talk to him. Do not worry, Catalina. I will make sure no harm will come to Helise by his hand. And with that, the weight was lifted. Catalina's heart soared, but only for a moment, as if noticing the raging storm for the first time. Hiraco. Who? I'll explain later. Catalina dashed off along the path she'd taken so many times before, over the wooden gangplanks and down the dock to her faithful vessel, the Dauntless. The wind whipped in unison with the raging tides below. Taraco, he had lost himself in hurt and confusion. She had to reach him. Catalina could not stand the pain she felt lashing and raging against the hull of her ship. I'm coming, Taraco. The storm was out of control, each wave threatening to shatter the Dauntless into a thousand pieces. But Catalina would not turn back. She never would again. Taraco! She screamed into the raging, watery tempest. But he could not hear her. Disoriented by grief, Taraco only raged on, unaware of the danger his beloved Catalina sailed into. It was massive and heartbreaking, the frenzied wave that took her. It ripped Catalina from the wheel of a ship and threw her below into the crushing pain of the one she loved most. There, she was tossed and turned, thrown and pulled deeper and deeper into the crushing black, until finally she hit the bottom. Catalina stared up. Only trickles of light leaked down through the blinded water to pool on her face. She was surrounded by him, Taraco. Catalina supposed that was enough, thinking on the question he'd asked her so long ago. And with her last breath, she whispered softly into him, You... You make me happy, Taraco. In an instant, the waters stilled to an eerie calm. Catalina? No. No, 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 no. She was here? But... There. And within a moment, he was by her side. And she was... Dying. With mere moments left. He was killing her. He had to get her out. Out of him. 
get her to the surface. But there was no time. The pressure alone threatened to crush her completely. Catalina, be free, my love. Catalina wrestled with her last shreds of consciousness, mustering the strength to reach a hand to his face and smiled with every ember in her heart. At once, that ember took true form, carving its way over her body in a swirling, dancing display of light. She was blinding, shimmering through his waters. The light shone brilliant, cascading from her in ripples of gorgeous greens and blues. The spectacle could be seen by all in Helaise, and those who witnessed it held their breath lest they drown in anticipation. When the light faded, Catalina raised her mighty head to peer her startling green eyes into Tarakos. Hello, my love. Have I drowned yet? She teased. Tarako took in her new form as a smile rippled across his face. She was beautiful. A massive, winding sapphire-scaled body in the shape of a mighty serpent. Yet, she had four small but strong legs along her length, webbed and graceful. It was her head, however, that was most striking, as if the spitting image of grace and freedom, a long and slender maw, was adorned with webbed features trailing all the way back to mighty webbed horns that glittered like pearls in the depths of the ocean. Not sure drowning's possible anymore, darling. Pity. I suppose you're stuck with me then. <laughs> I suppose I am. And in a moment, Tarako shifted himself to similarly match Catalina's new form. Not bad. Looks better on me, though. What wouldn't? And with that, they sailed off into the deep waters, chasing one another in delight. Weeks later, a dark shadow made its way to Helise. Harlow's father, the ruthless leader of Gortia, feeling cheated out of their agreement, rained fire on Halise. The battle was brutal, and all seemed lost for the citizens of Catalina's beloved city. When the head of a mighty beast with glowing, veridescent eyes rose from the sea and drove the invaders back with torrents of water from her maw. Monster! How dare you strike against me! cried Harlow's father. And as if manifested of pure malice, he drew a wicked harpoon from his back and hurled it at Catalina. She cried out, not in pain as she'd expected, but in shock. Harlow, the man she was to have married, 
had thrown himself in front of his father's deadly intent. No! Catalina cried. Catalina! wheezed Harlow. How did you... How did you know? (laughs) Your eyes. You're happy. I can see it. Good. It's... It's all I ever wanted. Harlow, please. End this. Do it for me. Catalina rose up, and with a wicked slash from her tail, Harlow's father was cleaved in two and thrown back into Taraco's waiting arms. Within moments, the rage of the sea had taken Harlow's father's remains, leaving only a stain of red on the surface of the waves. Harlow miraculously survived, and Catalina's father took Harlow on as his heir. For generations, Halise has been led by Harlow's descendants. Their banner, a mighty Catales, a sea serpent of unparalleled grace and power, with pearl white horns, sapphire scales, and startling sea green eyes. This has been the Book of Dovis, Beneath the Surface, a Fenrir tale, written by Ryan Tippins. If you've enjoyed the journey so far, like, comment, subscribe, or its equivalents on your chosen platform to keep up to date with Fenrir and Rowan's journey through the Avarian jungle, as well as the history and side stories that stretch beyond it. If you'd like to contribute and help fund Fenrir, please visit the Eyes Shut Studios Patreon and get rewarded with additional lore and content, including side stories available nowhere else. This episode featured Luca Antelixaban as Arcus. Special thanks to our lore master and head of world design, Jeremy Tomins. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 